I know you're not really a punk guy, Trav, but you've heard of the band Guttermouth, right? I mean, at least in passing somewhere along the way. I have. They, uh, uh, the, the town I work in is called Telluride and it's just, I mean, it's a tiny little ski resort town. Like nothing cool ever comes there. Uh, the biggest concert event of the year is a bluegrass festival where like literally like 10,000 people show up for that. But other than that, um, there's not a lot going on musically, especially not music that I'm into. Cause I, I don't know. I'm kind of burned out on bluegrass. Anyway, Guttermouth comes to town last night. <laughs> um, they come through Telluride. That was cool. Um, but the funny story was is that this guy I work with, his, his name's Mark. He's maybe 10 years older than me, something like that, so he's pretty ancient. Um, he says, oh, Guttermouth, that's a band? And I said, yeah, yeah, it's a band. You want to come with? And he says, no, 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 but uh, I got this hat that says Guttermouth on it. I'll bring it in for you. So he brings me in this hat, and he goes, I want, you to, I want to tell you the story about this hat. I was in Yosemite National Park getting ready to, to summit El Cap, which I think means climb a mountain or something. Um, I don't okay. know all his speak. And he says, and I'm, I'm down there. It was El Nino year. So whatever year that was. And I'm freezing. 94. My... Okay. 94. Must have been 94. I have I have no idea. <laughs> Let's go with 94. <laughs> Dude, right. Say it with conviction and everybody will believe you. So 94. Exactly. Year of El Nino. We've established that. Uh, and he says, yeah. And my gear was stashed in a wet bag halfway up the mountains. I'm standing down there waiting for the storm to clear in the parking lot, freezing and shivering. And I can kind of see off through the bushes. I see what looks like a beanie. And so I walk over there and I realize it's sitting on top of a bear trap. Like in Yosemite National Park, they would, they'd have like a big bear cage, you know, they would trap them and then relocate them. And he said, as soon as he walked over to grab this thing, it was kind of in the bushes. The bear like jumped out and and like rattled the cage. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) But he said he still like went and snagged the hat because he was freezing and then he summited El Cap, whatever exactly that means in this hat. So I've got a very cool gutter mouth hat that uh, allegedly, you know, my friend Mark rescued from a bear and then climbed a mountain in it. That's, uh, yeah, that's the coolest hat story I've ever heard, I think, that I know of. I don't know that I've ever heard a hat story, so it pro- by default, it's probably... Well, yeah, it's the, it's the only hat story I've ever heard of, so, so you win. The, probably the best yeah. and the worst at the same Pretty time. Pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, I got nothing. I don't. I don't know how you want me to respond to that. <laughs> I, I don't really have anything. I just thought that was kind of a cool story. This guy, I'm Mark. Getting, I'm, get, I'm getting a little tired of the allegations. You open up a podcast with, "I know you're not a punk guy, Trav." Like, yeah, I know. I okay. I, we get it. We get it. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, I know. I know you're not much of a metal guy, Jesse. I know you don't like good music, Jesse. <laughs> Fair enough. I know you're not what I know you're not what we would call a thin podcast host. <laughs> <laughs> Always with the fat jokes. Oh, uh, I'm I'm angry. <laughs> you're an angry drunk Irish guy. You've had too much whiskey. Taking out uh, your fat right. aggression on me. There's no such thing. <clears throat> so speaking of aggression, no. uh, a while ago <laughs> you and Seth uh, were talking about this album, uh, this group Sterilizer, and. Uh, I was butthurt that you didn't tell me about it. And you finally did tell me about it, and I checked it out, and it was awesome. Definitely, like, uh, old-school ministry feel, like, in the best way possible. I mean that. I feel like everything... Yeah, every time I default to talking about him and saying ministry, I just feel like that's the go-to industrial band because ministry was, like, the crossover where all the metal fans and all the all the rock fans were kind of like, oh, wow, listen to all those weird mechanical noises in the background. But 
Yeah, it totally took me back to Psalm 69 and ministry and that whole era. And um, dude, this guy Brandon is is a he's a piece of work, man. This guy is is cranking out uh, cassettes. I know uh, the cassette thing is kind of making a comeback, and he's he's um a talented artist. He's done artwork for for uh, Skull Toaster for Seth's uh, Skull Toaster stuff and everything. He did um he did a uh, uh what happened? Seth hit like a thousand questions i think and um for for the thousandth question he had he had brandon draw the um a sticker design it didn't say skull toaster on it it didn't say anything it just had like alien skulls coming down to earth to hatch into i i don't even understand it it was rad looking (laughs) and seth and seth sent those stickers out to everybody that was a subscriber at that point and it, and it was really cool i mean this guy's super talented he's all over the place and i'm excited to finally be able to talk to him yeah he sounds like a cool guy who's kind of diy all the way around and doing lots of cool stuff and that's definitely that definitely falls within the wheelhouse of things we like to talk about so um and i've lost count i think this is i think this is actually the fourth attempt we've made to talk to this guy cuz yeah. stuff keeps happening the last time we were scheduled uh, all the snow in the country moved to over Jesse's house and all dropped at one time and that screwed him up and got him stuck at work. It was, it was a mess, but yeah, we're, we're finally going to get him on this episode. So, uh, yeah, here we go. Here's a little bit of uh, his band sterilizer. Listen to a little bit of industrial type styles and, uh, we're going to come back and talk to Mr. Brandon Duncan. All right, hang on, you guys. Before we get started, I got to go get my black metal Snuggie, and then we can really kick this off. (laughs) I'll be right back. Got it. Uh, You guys missed all the good parts. We just had this. uh, Well, this was Trav's idea, really. He's the brilliant one of the bunch. I'm the fat one. Uh, Yep. Take all your old black metal shirts, sew them together into a Snuggie, and then you can be super dark and evil as well as cozy all together at once. I was, right, I was just thinking like like when somebody says like seriously dude you have a Snuggie and I can be like yeah but they're made out of like Meshuga, Pantera and Slayer t-shirts try to make fun of me now the guy will be like uh yeah okay that is pr- kind of cool and you're comfortable like win win you know wasn't there like an off brand Snuggie called a Slinket <laughs> or did I get that from the 30 Rock episode a Slanket? I don't remember that might have been from like Thirty Rock or something. I can't remember. Oh yeah, that sounds like more of a joke thing than Probably serious. Was. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> All right, let's focus. Reel it in. That's hilarious. <laughs> no, let's just talk about black metal snuggies, please, the whole time. Okay, okay. Hey, I mean, hey, we wanted to promote. Maybe, maybe try to talk to you about, uh, you know, your. Uh, um, industrial music that you make and all the cassettes that you're cranking out. It looks like you've branched overseas now and, and you're an artist and everything. But no, I mean, if you want to talk about sewing t-shirts together, that's cool. We can stretch that for 45 minutes. <laughs> I'm, I'm game for anything. <laughs> so we're, we're not like, uh, we're not mega industrial guys. And obviously a lot of your music has that feel to it. Um, what would you say? We always go, Oh yeah, sounds like ministry. Probably the way like someone who doesn't like punk says, Oh, this sounds like green day. Um, 
what what are some of your uh, like influences and stuff like that? I know there's probably some obscure stuff. Like I hear a lot of Clute. Clute is what I think of actually, but I didn't want to say. Oh, it reminds me of Clute because I didn't think anyone would know what Clute was. I've never even heard of that. Yeah, honestly, I've never heard of Clute oh. either. Okay, but oh. I'm intrigued. I'm gonna have to write that down actually. <laughs> Clint um, the same dude as like Leather Strip, I think. I don't. I had a friend who was way into oh, yeah, when I was a kid. And... Leather Strip. Okay. Cool. Um, well, it's funny you say that because actually ministry is kind of what started me into the whole industrial thing a long time ago. So I, I, I don't take any offense to that at all. You know, I mean, the mind is a terrible thing to taste. That was pretty much my first introduction to industrial music. Right on. It's so good. Still one of my favorite albums ever. And, you know, that inspired me. I first heard that when I was probably 16 or so, and that inspired even some of the first music I was writing back then. And it's been constant ever since. So, yeah, ministry, that's right on the head. And it's totally apparent, I know. Um, hopefully it doesn't sound too identical no. to ministry, but... No, I, I, I just because I don't know much about industrial music. I just always felt like ministry was the one that kind of broke down some barriers and breached, you know, like like kind of bridged the gap between like now I'm listening to ministry and I don't listen to industrial music, so it's kind of like a little bit of a taste to it. Um, so when I talk to someone about industrial music, I go as far as ministry, like like he said, you kind of feel like uh. That's that's all I got, and it's like it's like it's a completely obvious thing to say. So you stay yeah, away from like, me, Peter Frampton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't have nothing to say to you, but uh, it just it just kind of like uh, yeah, like I don't I don't really have a lot of industrial stuff, but I think uh, anybody who's into it, if I say, well, I dig ministry, they're just gonna roll their eyes and turn to their other industrial friends and be like, oh my god. <laughs> you know? well, there's lots of other. I mean, that was kind of the initial starting point, you know. There's right. lots of other industrial stuff that I like that has inspired me over the years. You know, it, that led me to, you know, I heard that and I was like, I want to hear more stuff like this because sure. I was really drawn to the mechanical sound. I've always been drawn to, you know, anything kind of robotic and mechanical. Okay. And, you know, one thing I always tell people, you know, that when I psychoanalyze myself, like, why do I, why am I interested in these things? And I, really think it goes back to my earliest childhood. My dad has always worked in oil refineries. So, you know, all growing up, we didn't have any money. You know, we had take my dad to work in our one little crappy vehicle that barely worked. And we'd go <laughs> to the refinery every day. And I would just be in awe of, you know, just the massive scale of just all the pipes and all the machines and the smoke, the dark, dirty atmosphere, you know, it's just some, you know, lots of people probably think that's weird, but I was always drawn to that. I thought it was amazing. Um, also, my parents never, they're really open with me when I was growing up. I was pretty much allowed to watch anything. And okay. I mean, I can remember watching the first Terminator when I was probably six years old or something. Right on. And, you know, I was just blown away by the Terminator. So I've always been drawn to that sort of thing. So when I heard Ministry, you know, that just completely blew me away musically. I was like, holy crap, there's a whole type of music that kind of fits this vibe, too. And that, That's cool. That's, that's really, 
like it, it's funny to me to hear you say that because like I remember Terminator One coming out and like sneaking out of my bedroom at night and going to the living room and watching it because it was an R-rated uh, movie, you know. And it, like I had the same yeah. kind of fascination with machines and stuff, and like uh, it's well, yeah. it's funny. Like mine is a terrible thing to taste. I was like, man, like when I was fourteen, it was like that, and it was. Uh, Oh, pretty hate machine. You know, it was whatever was pretty easily yeah, accessible because I was a freshman yep. in high school. But then eventually I got into stuff like I really got into frontline assembly and, uh, uh-huh. you know, stuff like that. But <laughs> okay, that was not frontline assembly. <laughs> that was not. No, it was not. <laughs> Listening to them last night, I love Frontline Assembly. Like I, I sold a lot of my CDs a while back because you know I'm all about the tapes right now and and vinyl analog formats. And I just have too many CDs, but I kept my entire catalog of Frontline Assembly CDs. I'm only missing a couple demos and you know remix albums or something like that. But I'm pretty sure I have pretty much every frontline assembly ever. That's the thing with industrial music is like every, every album has like 18 maxi singles and then the remix and then the remixed remix. And then Dude, you're not kidding. <laughs> all that we, were going, we were going, we were going to go around the circle and talk about the industrial stuff. And again, I don't, I, I'm, I come from more of the metal aggressive stuff, but um, oh. the first thing that, that I ever heard nice. from, from ministry was Primus a clip of Primus covering Thieves. Oh, really? Wow, yeah. I never heard that. Do you hear that? He does the... On the bass. So I was like... Damn. And then, and then Les is like, Thieves! Thieves and liars! And I turned to my buddy and I was like, what? what is this? And he's like, dude, it's ministry. And I was like, what's ministry? And he, he like practically slapped me. <laughs> Must be a Christian you know, band. That's the first thing I ever heard by ministry was Primus covering it from some old bootleg cassette tape. And then um, I kind of went down the Fear Factory path. Soul of a New Machine grabbed me by the balls. I mean, that that all those industrial stuff in the background and everything. But even before that, um, I happened upon um, one night on Headbangers Ball, I saw a video for Unconditional from Prong. Cool. Yeah, and um, I fell in love with that song, and it didn't really have a lot of industrial stuff. That was kind of like their more straightforward like uh, rock song. Yeah, I went out yeah. and bought "Prove You Wrong," and it starts off with all the like power drills and all these like industrial yeah. noises, and I was just like, "This is rad! What is going on?" And it sounds like they're building a house in the background while they're playing, you know. And I really got into "Prove You Wrong" is still one of my favorite albums. I love that record, and I don't like prong. I don't really like a lot of other stuff by them, but that album nailed it. And that was kind of my, my taste to like buzz saws and drills and stuff while stuff's going on. I, I really dug that. <clears throat> oh, yeah, that's cool. From, I'm not as familiar with them as I should be, but everything I've heard, I've, I've enjoyed. I'm more familiar with Tommy Victor being in Danzig than Danzig, right. Yeah. Prong stuff, which is... <laughs> You know, he had his probably prong was, prong was his own baby and it was like that's my band that's what i do i am prong that's my thing yeah and then danzig called he's like oh i quit prong <laughs> he's like never mind i'm done uh, kind of don't blame him i found yeah. this advanced promo cassette of preview wrong i just moved out i was like 15 and i was renting this room in this house and the guy was like a radio dj and the guy who rented the room before me left a crate full of stuff and most of it was junk but one was i was like prong this looks good and i put it in, it was like 
it was literally like a white cassette case and it said prong prove you wrong advanced radio copy or whatever and i was just like i played that thing until it broke and then i never bought it again so i guess maybe i'm not that hardcore <laughs> of a fan but it was cool i had a denim jacket and i couldn't find a prong patch anywhere so i drew the prong logo on the sleeve yes. on the shoulder that's what it's all about and it was crooked and it looked terrible <laughs> but i did my best with it and my mom religious lady that she is god bless her uh, she thought it was a pitchfork, and she <laughs> and she got mad at me, and she was like, "You just ruined a denim jacket that I just bought you." So I cut the sleeves off, denim vest. There you go. There you go. Yep. <laughs> Did you spell prong right at least? I didn't write anything. I just oh, I just, just drew. I always like I always just like the logo without oh, writing without announcing what the band is because I would love for someone to walk up and be like, "Dude, is that prong?" And then him and I are friends. You know what I mean? Yep. But so it's a weird yeah, pickup, guys. I don't think I. I don't think I, that's true. Uh, I don't think I got that far. But anyway, sounds like <laughs> we sounds like we better pre, uh, play a prong clip. Do we have one? Do we have one queued up? I don't have one clu- uh, queued up. I was not prepared, and like I said, I had that cassette, and it broke, and I never bought it again. I don't own <laughs> oh, any prong okay. music. <laughs> well. uh... Let's take a quick break and play a, pro- a little clip of a prong song. I'll s- I'll send you one. crazy like how sound can really take you back because when i said that like i had that tape and i kind of wore it out and then i never bought it again i wasn't kidding like i probably haven't heard that since i was 18 or 16 or something and just hearing it now for the first time like i can smell the room in that house that i lived in that I rented. <laughs> isn't that crazy i remember i remember seeing um tommy the cat uh unconditional from prong and I hate everything about you from Ugly Kid Joe in a three video clip, and we'll just just skip the Ugly Kid Joe part. We're not going to talk about that. Whatever, but dude. I remember uh, I remember hearing Jerry was a race car driver and being like, I don't understand it. It's over my head. I I have no idea what I just heard. That was weird. And then um, and then circled back to Tommy the Cat, and I was like, oh oh my god, I think I just saw the best video I've ever seen in my life. And then um, right after that was unconditional, and I was like, stop, headbanger's ball, let me up. Come on, man. So uh, I ran right out and bought both of them pretty shortly afterwards, and I prove you wrong, it's still in heavy rotation. I actually just tried to find the vinyl for it, and I saw, I thought I saw a re-release for in the ballpark of 25 bucks, and I saw an original for like 75 I like, ah, I'm not going to get that. But uh, yeah, I would love to have that on wax. It'd be great. Nice. So anyway... Enough about prong. Are you in prong, Brandon? What the hell are we talking about prong so much for? <clears throat> um, the reason 
the reason how they kick ass. Why not? They do kick ass. Uh, yeah, that album is great. Um, eh, the reason how we happened upon you was uh, we became mutual friends through Skull Toaster. Good old right. Skull Toaster. Good old Seth. Yeah. And um, it uh, just talking back and forth and everything. This guy's a pretty busy fella. Uh, you did the artwork for the thousandth question, right? Yes, I did. Yeah. Which I had a blast doing. That was an honor to be able to do that. What I loved about it was, I'll let you talk more about it, but I'm going to say what I liked was th- there was no Skull Toaster logo. There was no uh, Tweet Brandon at Expiring Sun. There was nothing like that. It was just a picture. And if you didn't, if you weren't on the inside, it was just a bunch of skulls shooting down from outer space. <laughs> yeah. I got the stick. I still have it. I refuse to stick it on anything because I just want it. Because once oh. I once I commit it on something, so, you know, it's That's gone. That's it. Yeah. I so um, I remember staring at it and just being like, "The hell does this have to do with skull toaster?" <laughs> Oh, that's great. Man, you draw, you make industrial music, and you seem to be into the cassette tapes and everything. Um, you're a busy fella. What do you uh what do you do from day to day? Uh you know, obviously you work because uh I know you're uh having scheduling issues. We, <laughs> you were yeah. having scheduling issues interviewing <laughs> you and you're always like, I work all the time and everything. What do you do? What do you do for a living? I work at a motion graphics studio. So I'm I'm mostly working After Effects and Cinema 4D, and yeah, I'm. I mean, we do all sorts of stuff. You know, commercials. We do a lot of stuff for events. You know, if there's some sort of presentation that's going on, we'll do all the displays and the graphics and anything that the people want. You know, projected. Wow. Um, yeah, all that sort of thing. So. Cool. And we do also do a lot of web videos and. Mm-hmm. You know, I I like it a lot. I mean, it's really demanding and stressful. Yeah. But I also like it because it really pushes me to constantly be on. You know, I have to stay a little bit ahead to keep up with the technology because everything changes all the time. So I constantly have to learn new things. Cool. So even though it runs me ragged a lot of the times, which I'm sure if you read my Twitter, you know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Even though it, you know, completely obliterates me at times, I, I still really like it because, you know, just the amount of knowledge that I gain on a daily basis, you know, I I just thrive on that. I don't know anything about that industry, but I would imagine you're not allowed to stay stagnant because as soon as you do, someone else gets the work, right? Cause the, yes, that's exactly right. Like as soon as you, you're, you're just learning the newest thing and it's already obsolete because some other dude has the newest thing coming out, you got to keep up with that. It's like buying cameras. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Just <laughs> keep it up with the next thing. But then when you, when, you, when you get done doing all this crazy work, you come home and you have art to draw. Like, and you do like old school pencil drawing. Yeah, that's pretty much. I mean, that's pretty much what I've been focusing on for the past three years or so. It's just, you know, because I work on a computer all day, every day, sometimes all night, every night for right. my job. And I used to be pretty big into digital art. That was kind of my thing for a while. But okay. after working professionally for so long and being in front of a computer so much, about three years ago, I pretty much just said, fuck this. When I get off of work, I'm avoiding the computer as much as possible. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I pretty much just went back to old school just pen and paper. Awesome. That's super cool. I feel you. And then um that. we should definitely 
we need to rethink this podcast. Like, you guys just come over and I'll get my old school tape recorder because I'm sick of the <laughs> computer too. So, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> and then, um, the um very first thing that I guess I guess I got to be privy to you probably approximately a year nine months to a year before you started dropping all these hints about sterilizer and um what i (laughs) what i dug about it and you kind of inspired you kind of inspired uh me in a way to be a little bit less wordy because sterilizer comes out with this twitter account and it's just fuzzy black and white horror movie stills (laughs) yeah no words I mean, have you typed one word on a Sterilite? No, not I haven't. One. But no. you're just dropping these pictures and you drop another – and it's not every day. You're not dropping 50 pictures on my head all day where you're like draining my battery. Just enough <laughs> – just enough to, 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 uh, to whet the appetite and make people go, what is this? And you make the person chase you down and do the research and you're already invested. Like I, I, have, a, I have a little band here uh, in my neck of the woods and my bass player – is obsessed with you now because he's like, <laughs> he's like, this is so cool. All the pictures are black and white and it's all like horror thing. And I'm not even in horror, but now I'm like trying to figure out which movie it is. And he never <laughs> says anything like he's got a band and he won't talk about it. That's so cool. Like he thinks it's such a rad idea. And, um, I, yeah, I really, I really dig what you're, what you were doing. And then when sterilizer dropped, it was, it was, I, so I, I liked it. I thought I was going to give you the benefit of the doubt because I'm kind of quasi Twitter friends with Brandon. So I'm going to like his band because Brandon's in it and everything. (laughs) I don't even like industrial and I would buy sterilizer if I didn't know you and hand to God, that's the truth. I really, really, really dig this stuff. It's pretty cool. Oh, well, thank you so much. You did a great job. But one question. Why, why cassettes? What's with you in the magnetic tape? I think they're beautiful because they're temporary. You know, I mean, you know, every time you listen to a tape, it's special because you don't know if it's going to be your last listen or not. And I really like that attitude. And that's that's also where, that's you know, the name Expiring Sun comes from. You know, it implies death. It implies that everything dies Mm-hmm. The sun is eventually going to burn out, and all of us will be non-existent. So, I, I really like the precious aspect of the tapes. So that's what I'm going for. That is such a great answer. That is, re- you know what? You're right because I've actually made comments before on the podcast about uh trying to trying to like buy a cassette tape of whatever band that I'm into and trying to get my dad to listen to it. And I would stick it in the cassette deck of the Monte Carlo. And uh-huh. you would just hear the, and be like, and then you're spooling yep. it back in with a pencil and you're like, this piece. Yeah. I remember that. That was, that was yep. fun. And I don't, I don't know what's I it's speaking of expiring sun. Uh, I live on the East Coast. I don't. I don't know if the sun's expiring, but there's definitely something wrong with it. <laughs> it just won't stop snowing. Ah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, the uh, the cassette that you put out, Sterilizer has um. I you know I have the tape is right there up on my shelf. But if I get up and try to get it, I'm gonna pull 14 cords out of my laptop. So I thought <laughs> if if 
if I'm not mistaken, it's ES2, right? Isn't Sterilizer 2? Uh, ster- sterilizer is zero, zero, zero. It oh, started out with okay. number zero. You started at zero, but you're yep. you're cranking out stuff. Like now you're actually kind of branching out and doing other bands from, from like other countries. All, now all of a sudden, Expiring Sun's kind of international, right? Yeah, I'm pretty blown away actually about the response that I got from all the feelers that I put out to artists that I love. You know, I started basically by just sending a few emails to some artists here and there that I knew of that I really liked and just saying, hey, I'm doing this little tape thing. Would you be interested in working with me? And I probably contacted four or five people to start with, not really expecting much of a response and went to bed Woke up the next day and I had replies from everybody saying, hell yeah, this sounds cool. Let's do it. So I was like, whoa, shit. <laughs> All right, I'm going to be busy for a little while. Put some tapes together. But it, it's a good busy. Don't get me wrong. I love it. It's pretty incredible to be able to be working with all these people from all over the world, actually. So, yeah, I'm having a lot of fun with it. Did I just released three new tapes on Sunday night, officially, via my newsletter, and then kind of made them available to the public on Monday. And the first of which is Chris Dunn from Australia, and he writes really deep, ambient, orchestral... I don't really know exactly how to describe it, which is probably a bad thing, but it it sounds like the soundtrack to a, a supernatural thriller. Oh, and, okay. Yeah, when I when he first released it and I first listened to it, I was just completely blown away by his musical abilities and the moods that he creates. So that's ES003. Then there's ES004, which is N616 from Russia. And they're more of a noisy industrial type outfit and they've been around actually since the year 2000 well wow. so the tape that we did is actually a re-release of an album they put out in 2005 it's it as soon as i heard it i was like oh man i gotta reach out to these guys so they were one of the first that i sent an email out to it's among the latest releases it's probably the closest to the vibe of sterilizer as all of them okay. i mean it's it's still totally different they're doing their own thing but it's it's got that noisy constant industrial rhythm to it which i love and then there's the last of which is es005 and they're asylum sisters and it's their album called educate consciousness and just by circumstance, they're actually from the same city on in Australia as Chris Dunn. Get out of here. But yeah, they're both from Melbourne, Australia. So I, it was funny when I was listening to them, I emailed both of them and asked them if they had knew if they knew of each other and they didn't know of each other. But now I, I'm pretty sure they're talking with each other. Now, now they're touring Melbourne, kind of cool. Australia. Cause, yeah. <laughs> How about that? that would be cool. So you accidentally yeah, started a record label with three bands overnight. <laughs> That's yeah, pretty. Well, I wouldn't consider that. You know, I was toying around. 
I've been toying around with the idea of reaching out and releasing other people's music for a long time. So it did, it didn't happen overnight. Right. The actual, you know, the actual, you know, process of me emailing people and then getting a response of saying, "Hey, let's do this." That definitely happened overnight. Right. But very, I wasn't completely unprepared or anything. Very cool. Huh. Wow. Um. So would you? I already know the answer to this, but I'm going to drag it out here into the light. Would you consider this venture a record label? Like, is that kind of the direction you're going with it? Or are you just a super fan that's willing to make cassettes for these people? Yeah. I, this is something I'm struggling with big time is trying to figure out how to describe what I'm doing because I really don't feel like it's a record label at all because I'm not making any of these people sign any contracts there's nothing exclusive about any of this. They're all free to do whatever they want. My goal is to create limited edition collectibles of music that I love. And that's pretty much it. So, for instance, Chris Dunn, his tape is limited to 25 copies. N616 and Asylum Sisters, they're both limited to only 50 copies. And that's it. And they, I'm working individually with artists to figure out what works best financially for everybody. Okay. Some people just want to be paid in tapes. They're like, hey, just send me some tapes and we'll be even. And other people, I'm giving a per- percentage of each tape that sells. So I, I really don't, I hesitate calling it a label. I really don't want to call that. I've, it's just more about creating a library of stuff that I love that I think other people would be interested in as well. That's pretty cool. I have to admit, that's pretty neat. So if you get if you sell the twenty fifth copy of Chris Dunn's cassette, that's it. You didn't get one. You're not getting one. It it isn't like you're gonna have um a second run of anything like that. If if you sell if you're you you agreed to make Chris Dunn twenty five copies and Asylum Sisters and the other bands N six one six. Yes. You agreed to make 50 of each of those, and that's it. If I'm the 51st, per, 51st person, too bad you don't get one. Yes. For, for the most part, that's the case. Okay. That's that's pretty much it. I'm also totally open with it. For example, Chris Dunn's tape is actually already almost sold out. Okay. And there's a lot of people that are really interested in it. And, you know, I'm all about this to help out the artists that I love at the same time. And since there's so much interest in it, for that one, you know, I might go ahead and do a second run. Okay. It just, it just all depends. But, you know, it's never going to be any more than, I'd say, a, my max is going to be 100 copies. Okay. There's never going to be any more than 100 copies of a tape. Interesting. I like it. Cool. So um, let's take a break and listen to a sterilizer song. Let's circle back to your sterilizer stuff. And um, we played a little bit of this clip in the beginning of the of the show as kind of a lead in and everything. But now I think uh, since uh, since you own the music and there shouldn't be any major label problems coming after, I'm gonna sue you, motherfuckers. (laughs) You're gonna sue yourself for your own (laughs) yeah. Sue yourself for letting us play it. We're gonna we're gonna play that uh that opening track. Why, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh tell us about that song and and uh what it's called and I don't I don't think it has any lyrics, does it? So I was gonna say, uh, none of the sterilizer has any lyrics, but the first track is right. called 
vasectomy, and that's pretty much the introduction to the sterilizer universe. I'll just leave it at that. Fair enough. So I, I have a small label. Uh, most people know that Veritas Vinyl is kind of associated with uh, Black Vinyl Collective, and uh, mostly I do records. 
uh, I'll probably be talked into doing some tapes before too long. I personally, I don't listen to tapes. I'd rather listen to a record or my iPod just because of the complexity of the machine. And like you guys were talking about earlier, and it's just ruined and, uh-huh. you know, <laughs> but uh, I, it's not for everybody yet. I understand the desire for a warm analog format. And we've had this discussion before about how, like, when you used to have a car that only had a cassette deck in uh, cassette deck in it, you know, like cassette tapes always sound warmer and richer than digital. And it's because of that analog format. Um, but what's, what's unique about what you're doing is uh, I, I call up my record pressing plant and I say, Hey, I, I want a hundred of these on red vinyl and a hundred on blue vinyl and whatever. And then eventually they send them to me like five months later. Um, who do you call to get your tapes made? Uh, myself <laughs> <laughs> you do it all on your own all in house yeah pretty yeah i pretty much do everything i mean i don't i don't mold the plastic and wind <laughs> the actual tape that goes into the cassettes themselves Poser. other than other than that i pretty much do everything myself no kidding so you went out and bought 25 cassettes to make that Chris Dunn guy's cassettes. Like, like right. okay, I'm going to make 25 of these. You have to go collect all the parts to build them and, and do it all yourself and artwork and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, pretty much everything from the get-go. I mean, with these new releases of artists, like with the Chris Dunn and the N616 and the Asylum Sisters, mm-hmm. You know, some of them kind of had some artwork and some photography already to work with. Okay. So, you know, I didn't completely do all of the photography and artwork and everything on those, but I did do all the layout and the printing, you know, getting everything situated, cutting, printing, cutting everything out, folding, assembling everything. Yikes. Sounds labor intensive. Yeah, Yeah, it requires a lot of work, but I love doing that stuff because I don't know. I'm kind of, I really like repetitive things. I get, I like getting in a workflow, cranking things out, you know, so I'll, I'll do the design. I'll print out, say all 50 of the J cards. I'll cut out all 50 of the J cards all the while I'm listening to music and just kind of zoning out. I really like that whole process. I've, I've always been that way i mean i went to school for graphic design and we did a lot of packaging design okay so i pretty much for four years in college i spent cutting and scoring paper and folding things together in interesting ways so you know I, i find it really relaxing it's not really a job or like labor to me I think probably the nature of the work you do, you know, for your real job is so like technical and mentally uh, consuming, probably at least that's how I feel. The work I do is fairly technical in nature. When I come home, I don't want to get on a computer. Sometimes that repetitive motion or mowing the lawn or uh, <laughs> folding and stuff yeah. 500 records is, is almost therapeutic at times. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly how I feel about it. But yeah, it's to go back to a previous point from before. It's I've actually been buying the cassettes in bulk. So, like for example, 
I don't just buy 25 tapes for Chris Dunn, 25 right. or 50 tapes for 616. Right. I, I basically, with the profit that I made from Sterilizer, I basically reinvested to release these tapes. Yeah. So I just bought, you know, I bought 500 blank tapes of various lengths that I could work with over the next few months. <laughs> Hang on, back Who up. Who buys 500 profit? cassettes at a time anymore? Did you say me. profit? <laughs> That's me. <laughs> Jesse, say so, it again. Uh, did you say profit? <laughs> I put out records. I don't yeah. know what profit is. I don't I know. even know what break I, Yeah, is. it's crazy. I, I never would have dreamed that I would make a profit off of any music I ever made. But yes, the sterilizer actually did really well. I made some money off of it. I'm continuing to make a little money off of it, which is pretty cool. Yeah, now, cool. now that the tape's sold out, and kind of got a little traction. People are still buying it on Bandcamp. I basic so yeah. I basically just collected all that and put it one hundred percent into putting out these other tapes. That's cool. And, and when I bought my sterilizer, when I bought my sterilizer cassette, it came in an envelope with stickers, a button. Um, it had like a postcard of artwork and stuff. Like it came with a bunch of goodies. I, like I bought a freaking tape, dude. Like he sent me, he sent me the house and it was, that's, that's the, re- <laughs> that's the reinvestment part where the person feels like compelled to be like, please let me know when the next sterilizer thing's coming out because this dude took care of me, you know? And, and, and that now to hear that you're putting out other people's stuff, I think you're, I think you're doing it from the right place. Like, like, I don't mean, Kansas City. I mean, like you're doing it from the right place, like in your heart. You know what I mean? Like it's it's it's. it's I, I really I really love what you're doing. That's the whole reason that we asked you to come on because I think I think it's pure. I, I I'm I'm. You're you're the only cassette tape that I've bought since I started buying CDs, which would have been like Sepultura Chaos AD. <laughs> I think I think that was my first CD that I bought. Um, I haven't bought cassettes since then. And then and then Seth was like. This cat's putting out tape, and I was like, "Tape, what?" <laughs> and uh, and I bought a uh, I bought a uh, a Techniques stereo system for a hundred dollars from my record shop. There you um, go. I, I I wanted to walk in and get a, a better amp for my record player, and I walked in and there was this huge stereo system with a double the dual cassette and everything. And he's like, "I'll give you the whole thing for a hundred dollars." I just bought it off some guy who who just wanted to get rid of it, and I haven't even gotten a chance to set it up. So I brought it home and I have the cassette deck set up, and I was like digging through and looking through my old cassettes because I got rid of most of them, but I held on to some. And then I bought yours and I popped it in, and I was like, "Dude, I'm listening to a cassette tape. This is rad." <laughs> So thanks for, thanks for, I mean, I'm not that guy now where I'm like obsessed with cassettes, but I do know that if you go to one of those stores, that still has a cassette section. You could probably pick up a lot of music for like a quarter. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, they're really affordable. Yeah. You won't always know if they're going to play that well. Well, that's, 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 that's true. But I mean, if I can walk out of there with, uh, you know, if I spend eight bucks and walk out of there with a year's worth of music, I'll take the chance uh-huh. of a couple breaking. You know what I mean? Right. But hats off, man! I think what you're doing is pretty cool. I I I, uh, I really like it. I'm 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 intrigued by it, and I think I want to go check out these other folks that you're putting out. Because uh, if they're if they're kind of in the vein of sterilizer, it means I'm at least going to like one of them. So, oh, cool! Well, thanks, man. They, they're very diverse. My I like a lot of different things, so I don't want to just stick to releasing industrial type stuff. Right. So that that was 
kind of my intent with this first round of releases was to not release a bunch of stuff that sounded like sterilizer. Mm -hmm. You know, I wanted to establish from the get-go that, you know, this is going to cover a broad range of genres. Good. Glad to hear it. Take another quick little break and play that other sterilizer song that we got queued up. I thought of a question, Brandon. Um, we'll get this wrapped up here, but I, uh, if you have primarily industrial music, how do you go about an art, an artistic concept 
naming the songs. Like a lot of times, if the if the if the vocalist sings the same thing fourteen times in the chorus, we'll just call the song that. You know what I mean? But right. your whole thing could have been called anything. All the songs could have been called anything. How how did you come up with what you did? I I've always been drawn to well, I wouldn't say always, but ever since I started taking music seriously, let's put it that way, I've been drawn to concept albums. So pretty much every album I've released since two thousand five has been revolving around some central you know, one idea. And with Sterilizer, I don't want to, I really don't want to talk too much about it. I think from the song titles, you can probably, you know, infer what the concept is. <laughs> but, you know, I, I wanted to theme everything around a cent- one central idea. Okay. So all the song, all the song titles relate to that, and all the samples, all the speaking that you hear from it, all relate to the song titles and the overall theme. Right. Pretty cool. Pretty uh, adventurous to, to to leave the uh, to leave the listener kind of hanging. At, you know, the, the the songs aren't obvious. They don't have the obvious lyrics. This one is the heavy rocker. This one is the one about the girl breaking up with me and hurting my feelings. And this one is about I'm still angry at my dad. Or you know what I mean? Like like it's just out there. That's it's. I'm listening to it, and the whole time I'm kind of listening to it, and I'm wondering what the hell is this dude thinking? You know what I mean? Like you know. I'm not gonna tell you. <laughs> well, how dare you? <laughs> we bring you onto this professional podcast, drag <laughs> in front of our tens of listeners. No, <laughs> no, man, that's that's rad. Have you have you um have you purchased anything lately? What are you into? What's what's? It's such a such a cliche, stupid question, but people used to say, "What are the five CDs in your in your debt?" You know what I mean? But uh, what you been uh, uh spending lately? Uh, Honestly, I've been a little bit out of the loop on music this year just because work has been so crazy. Okay. A couple of releases from last year that I've continuously been listening to are this band called Animal Bodies. They released this album called The Killing Scene. Okay. And an, another band called Vallis. They released an album called The Demolished Man. And both both of these are really electronic. I wouldn't call them industrial, but they're more electronic, gothic type stuff. And they have really good beats, rhythms. They're just really catchy all the way through. And I just can't cannot stop listening to them. I love it. And both this is probably gonna sound really weird, like uh they both kind of have bondage BDSM type cover art which i'm always drawn to (laughs) so that i will admit it was the cover art for both of them that draw drew me to them from the get-go and then when i started listening to them i was like oh my gosh this is so good and i've just had them on repeat cool hey um we're uh we're we really appreciate the time that you took to talk. No, let's talk about BDSM for another hour. <laughs> That's another podcast, young man. <laughs> um, 
that thanks for thanks for telling us everything that you did and we're gonna put in everything I'm not gonna list everything that you tried to mention because I'm I don't remember it all. I have to go back and listen to it. But uh I'm gonna put everything in show notes with links and sterilizer and some of the other bands that you're doing and everything. Love what you're doing. Rad, totally cool that you came on. Um we're gonna we're gonna go out and play the uh the other sterilizer song. We played Discontent, so tell us the uh the name of the last song. Remember Discontent and the other one? Depopulate. The last song on the album? Or the last one that I re- recommended? Because I don't remember which one I recommended. <laughs> <laughs> I keep trying to make this segment work and it keeps not working. You can just tell everybody it's Depopulator. Yeah, we're going to play Depopulator from Sterilizer. Oh, okay. Brandon, thanks again, man. Appreciate your time. Thank you. And and one one real quick for the people who won't actually read the show notes, what's the website or main point of contact? You're at Expiring Sun on Twitter and... Yeah, pretty much expiring sun on anything, you'll find me. Okay, cool. That was easy. There you go. Good call, Jesse. Good good point. Not everybody reads those notes that I painstakingly type in there every single week. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Brandon. <laughs>